Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Somebody asked me if I was going to do a 9-11, message. No. <laughs> Although I'll mention it. That was it. So... <laughs> That was the honorable mention. Actually, I got to thinking about it in the message I'm given this morning. By the way, don't get nervous. These are these all this paper here. It's just it's just Bible verses. It's just easier for me to read them. There's no notes here, so it's not like pages and pages of. And then, <laughs> so the the thing about 9/11, the 911. We're talking about it back in there, and people were asking, you know, where were you? And most of them were watching Romper Room or something, and just like, you know, it's like, <laughs> what? I'm, you know, I'm always aware here of, of the of the age difference thing, and where people were at different times, and and it's it's it's, it's amazing. It's all good, but amazing. <laughs> so, the thing is, the awareness of the times we're in. That's what I'm. What I started thinking about with the, with the nine one one thing, it's like it was something shifted, and in order for you to be aware of a shift, you have to know what it was like before and after, and and it's, amazingly, there's some young people. I mean, not the, not the people back there, but there seriously are young people apparently in this world who have just no concept. This is their world. The 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 post nine one one is the world they know, and they don't know any other. But uh, the, the message um, this morning is entitled, Are We There Yet? And I was thinking about, um, I have a, many grandchildren, but one in particular that we spend a lot of time with, uh, we, she spent the night, Friday night, and... Uh, Saturday morning we got uh, got up and went to church or went to church went to uh, almost church uh, a restaurant <laughs> and it takes us 15 minutes if that much to get to the restaurant and three times in the time that we left from the time we left our house to the time that we were at the restaurant she said are we there yet how many people have ever heard a kid say that ask this question and we, you know so so it's like are we there yet? And, and I thought about that question in terms of answering another question that I want to try to get to today. And this is, that's, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a foolish man because I always want to, want to tackle these, these big questions because that's what's in my mind all the time. And I think if I'm thinking about it, somebody else, I know lots of other people have these questions. And so uh, in terms of the church... The, the question, are we there yet, is often expressed in the idea of what are the greater gifts? <clears throat> and when are we going to see those things? Right? Has anybody ever wondered about that? One or two of you? Okay. <laughs> Let's just go in the other room here and they can finish. Anyway. <laughs> what are the greater gifts and when are they going to kick in for crying out loud. I mean, it's like if we, if we were on a trip to Florida and 
our kids are saying in the back seat, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you say, yeah, it's going to be a while. We'll know when we get there because we'll start seeing some things. We're going to see some palm trees. We're going to see things are going to look really different. It's going to be a really great place. So, so you're going and driving and you're driving and you're driving and your kids keep asking that. Pretty soon now the wife is asking, are we there yet? And she's got the map, you know, <laughs> she's got the atlas and she's saying, okay, now Highway 95 or whatever this is, it ends like in 35 miles up here. Are we there yet? Where is this place? It's, we're coming to an end here. And so a lot of times we don't know what there is because we don't know what there looks like. And so I want to talk about what there is, if that makes any sense to you. Okay, so in, in doing that, I'm going to kind of basically go through some things in Luke. <clears throat> and um, this, is, this has been really cool this morning. I mean, the, the, the whole thing this morning, and I, I guess this stretched back into the Wednesday night thing of the clarity of thought and the things that people are sensing and, and all this stuff. It's, isn't it great to know we have the mind of Christ? That, that, there's, that we're living in a confused, muddled, over information to people and we have options everywhere but there's but there's peace and there's clarity in him we have the mind of Christ and we have in my prayer this morning for me and everybody somebody fix the air conditioner thank you Bob (laughs) is is for clarity and I'm just going to pray real quick for that too in Continuing along that vein, Holy Spirit, tell them like you told me, and help me just to help help it just to come out because, you know, me and just I just pray for for your help in in communicating this because it is exciting and we're in an exciting time. Help us to understand that in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so. Um, we have the mind of Christ, and, and, it, and it's ours. It says the, the Bible says we can mix spiritual thoughts with the spiritual word, and there's, just, there's an amazing thing going on here. And Jesus was aware of that from the time he was, almost from the time he was born. At, you know, I guess at, at whatever point that he became aware, he was learning this stuff. At 12 years old, he was, he was, he was talking to the, to the scribes and the Pharisees in the temple, and they were amazed at his understanding. And he knew all this stuff, and he was, he was learning lots of things. And yet, he didn't really begin his ministry until, as we all know, 30, he was 30 years old. And then it was time, and then the Holy Spirit came on him, and that, was a, that, that, that made everything different. So I want to look a little bit about this, because Jesus was... Sometimes Jesus could be weird, right? I mean, I mean that in a really the good sense, right? So <laughs> you're saying there ain't no good sense. Now, I know there's a good sense of being weird because people have accused me of this, right? So <laughs> it's got to be a good sense. In fact, years ago, I, I remember one time having a conversation with, a, with a, a girl one time. This was a long, long time ago before I was married. And uh, Amy, sitting right there. <laughs> and I remember she said, uh, I was just talking to her, all of a sudden she, she had this expression on her face, like she was confused, and, and so therefore I got confused, and 
And, and just in case you can see the confusion on my face, I asked her, what? And she said, I, I don't know. She said, you're just, you're just not as weird as I thought you were going to be. And, I, and <laughs> apparently people get warnings, you know, that, <laughs> that I, you know, I'm a, I'm a good guy and everything. But you gotta kind of ease into me, <laughs> and when it's just like, wah! It's like just you know, just relax. He's okay. But that was like that was a long time ago. It was I was young and unmarried, and I'm all better now. Okay, so <laughs> so anyway. So I know a little bit about that, that sort of the weird look. And Jesus must have got that weird look all the time from people. Like, <laughs> what? But the thing is, he had a different reason than I did. I mean, I have to say, he's, Jesus walked around with such a different awareness. There was a, it was a paradigm shift in how man walked on this earth because he was so aware of the Holy Spirit and it was just all over him. And he, and he had a different, it was not only a different awareness, a different willingness to just walk around and talk and do the things only that he saw his father do. And he was okay with it. He was that, you know, that's why when the Holy Spirit told him to do something, even if it was contrary to what seemed natural, and he had never felt, he had never experienced natural before as he was in the heavenlies, he put all that aside and put on this, this flesh. And it must have been just bizarre for him, but he was all okay with it because the Holy Spirit was there and he had this understanding so if the Holy Spirit told him to do it he's good he's going to do it and he didn't care whether people are looking at him strange okay and I'm, and I'm sure he got some of that so anyway so going through uh, Luke the first couple of chapters that's all the Christmas card stuff uh, in, the, in Luke and then you get to he's led into the wilderness and that's a, this is the first place where um, He's, he's, he's led by the Holy Spirit. The, you know, God, he, first of all, he goes into you know, to, to the baptism before this. If you want to talk about where weirdness begins with him. He, he, he goes in, down to see Cousin John, who's baptized, and he meets Cousin John down at the river, and already cousin, the other cousin, James, is there meeting by the river, and, he, and another guy named, named Andrew, who was Peter's brother, who Peter and James and John, who were... James John with the sons of Zebedee. It's like a family affair. Andrew's the only guy who's not cousins. So the, all the cousins are meeting down there by the river. And, and John is baptizing people. And all of a sudden, the, you know, the, the, the clouds open. They hear the voice of God. The Holy Spirit comes down and says, this is, this is God. And they're thinking, whoa, you know, cousin Jesus, all right. <laughs> so, so, you know, um, Jesus goes up from there, and the first thing, the Holy Spirit's on him, right? The Holy Spirit. The first thing he does is leads him into the wilderness, right? To be tempted by the devil. Now you think, why would he do that? Well, first of all, why would the devil think he's going to be able to tempt Jesus? It's not just Jesus. It's, it's Jesus walking there in the power of the Holy Spirit with God flowing through this whole thing, instructing him. What makes the devil think? He's got to be able to tempt Jesus. And by the way, that verse, little aside here, the verse that says he was tempted in all things and yet without sin, okay? 
that doesn't mean that Jesus, you know, on some nights he was just, you know, had his laptop there and was tempted to look at the porn sites, you know. And it, it doesn't, that doesn't mean that, you know, he was tempted to lie or cheat on his income tax. I mean, he didn't have to worry about his income tax. He just, you know, he would just catch a fish, pull the thing out of his mouth, and, and he probably never wondered about whether is this taxable income if we pull it out of a fish's mouth? I, I don't know. If it's under the table, what do you... So he never worried about any of this stuff. He just... He walked around in a different kind of a, of a, of a thing, of a state, because of the Holy Spirit working with him. And, and so the, the, the Spirit was, was on him. He goes into the wilderness, and the temptation that we're talking about there was... was in, in all the ways that we're tempted, it was all the ways that Adam and Eve were tempted. It was the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. It's, it's, the, it's the wanting to, to keep humble even though he knows that the Holy Spirit's there and he's got a whole new thing there. It's the whole thing of, of it's not my will but your will. It's all, it's all these things, the things that were, he was tempted about. And when he was all um, done being tempted, this, this says, what did it say the devil did? So he walked away. You know, he tried all the stuff that had always worked before. And, and it says, well, in fact, in Luke chapter 4, the, ver- the exact, that exact verse is when the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. Now, we'll leave the devil over here for a minute because he's looking for an opportune time. Okay, he's not done with him yet because the stakes are pretty high here. It has to do with what who's going to be in control of the kingdoms of the earth. The thing that he offered Jesus. And Jesus says, you're, you're, the, the price is too high. I'm, or, I'm already the, in charge of the kingdoms of the earth. You just don't know it yet. Okay? So, so then Jesus returns to Galilee. And that's where we're going to pick this up in Luke chapter 4, verse 14. goes back to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. And news about him sp- spread through all the surrounding districts. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. Why was he being praised by all? He was doing amazing things. And the devil was sitting over on the sidelines. He wasn't harassing him. It was a it was free city. He could just go where he wanted and he just he had his way. He was casting out demons, and demons were coming out saying, Son of David, what have we got to do? Have you know? Just leave us alone. And Jesus, what did Jesus always tell the demons? He said, "Be quiet." He didn't allow them to speak. Why didn't he allow them to speak? Anybody have any idea? Because they kept they knew who he was, and Jesus knew there was a time coming when there was going to be a proclamation of who he was. People were going to come to understand who he was, and it was going to be going to be because the Holy Spirit was revealing who he was and this information is not going to come through the mouth of some foul demon this is going to be a Holy Spirit thing so every time a, a demon came out and said oh David we know who you are I said shut up okay <laughs> they're out there gone so he's doing all this stuff and he's being praised by everybody it's just an amazing thing and, and in most people's minds be pretty heady most young guys, 30 years old, they just, I mean, he goes from town to town. Crowds are just coming all from all over the place to hear what he's going to say, what he's going to teach. 
Who's going to heal? What demons are going to go? This is the great show. It's a pretty good show, the Jesus Traveling Salvation Show. Okay? <laughs> and the crowds are just coming from all over the place. So then it says he goes into Nazareth, his hometown, he, and this is the point where he walks in, he, and they hand him the scroll, and he reads this thing from Isaiah, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to preach, or to proclaim the release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed, to p- proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he sits down and said, everybody's listening. What's he going to say? What's he going to say? He says, today, this has been fulfilled right in front of you. I'm the guy. Okay. Now, didn't people weren't grasping right then what he was saying yet. But stay tuned, because here's where Jesus gets weird. Okay, most guys, when everything's going great, and you listen to what they say, they say, after he, said, after he says this, it says in verse 22, it says, all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? So it's just his grace and wonder stuff just dripping off of him. And everybody said, oh, this is awesome. We're all in his presence, and this is Jesus. We love this. And so most people, most young, you know, smart young ministers in making would have just, it would have been the moment when they said, good night, everybody, and left the room, left them wanting more. But Jesus, this is where his weirdness comes in. He doesn't do that. He said, he said, no doubt you'll quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. That was pretty prophetic, just right there. Because we're going to say this years later. And he says, whatever, you, whatever we heard was done in Capernaum, do here in, the, in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, truly, I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his own hometown. Truly, truly, that's, that's sort of the, their version of, let me tell you something. That's, that's what he means when he says, truly, truly. Let me tell you something. No prophet is at home or is welcome in his own hometown. But I'm going to tell you something. He said, there were many widows in Israel, and you know this story, many widows in Israel, but, but God didn't send any of the widows in Israel. God sent somebody to a place called Tyre, Elijah, and he went to that widow. And then there were many people, there were many lepers, lots of lepers in Israel, but God didn't send anybody to the lepers in Israel. He sent Elisha to Naaman, who was in Syria. Now, these guys knew exactly what he was talking about. They're sharp, these Pharisees and Sadducees and the people that were in there. They knew, you know, most of the time when Jesus started talking, they'd be going, hey, wait a minute, you're talking about me, aren't you? <laughs> really sharp. And he said, yeah, I am. Um, so, so it, you know, that's the reason why he says, uh, skipping down through here, all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage. Those same people that were saying, oh, just the, it's just like dripping honey off the whatever. They're filled with rage now. And it says, they got up and drove him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill in which their city had been built in order to throw him down from the cliff. So they're shuffling Jesus out of the room and they're gonna, they want to kill him. The guys who were just saying, hey, is this not Joseph's son? Hey, this is, he's pretty good. He's awesome. This guy is awesome. Now they're trying to kill him. 
the same guy. Um, because Jesus was just acting really weird. Nobody <laughs> who would do this when, when everything's going well to insult the people who are saying you just did a great job. So, so if I say something like afterwards, after I get done today, if I do something weird, so you don't know why. So, but, no, I'm not going to do it because I'm, I'm better now. Okay. <laughs> so they got up and drove him out of the city, and then it says, but it says he passed through their midst and went away. He went his way. Have a really, these guys had really weak mists. <laughs> they can be passed right through. You know, people, are, people aren't just kind of walking around, you know, aimlessly. They're just, they got a hold of him. They're try, they want to kill this guy. They're not just walking with him. How you doing? They're, they want to kill him. And he just, excuse me, walks through, walks through their midst. So, their midst could use some work if, they, if, if the, the goal is to kill somebody. Have a strong midst, okay? Okay, so, all right, so in the next chapter, we, we, uh, uh, it's, it's chapter 5, and this is where Peter, James, and John come along. And, and now, that's another whole story, I can't go there either, but they, but they were really not, Peter was especially was not really willing to, to follow him. You had James, uh, who's John's brother, and you had uh, Andrew, who was Peter's brother, and they're there. They were actually followers of John the Baptist until Jesus came along, and then they, then they switched teams and started following Jesus. And Andrew right away goes to his brother, Peter, and says, hey, man, you've got to come look at this guy. And, you know, John and James, and you know, Zeb- Zebedee, the dad, he's back at home holding down the fort. He's the guy... These are all the guys he had hired. They're, they're, they work with them. They're fishermen. They have a fisherman business, and they're out there doing this other stuff. So anyway, so, so Jesus comes along. There's a, you know, he's been doing this stuff. The crowds are still coming. He's healing the sick, and he's casting out demons. And that crowds, he just can't shake the crowd. So he walks up. to He's, he's at the Sea of Galilee, and he sees this boat, and the boat's empty. So he helps himself to the boat. He gets on the boat. The boat belongs to Peter. And he's over there. They're fixing their nets. They're cleaning their nets because they're done. Okay? You don't clean something if you just got to go right back out and use it. So they're done with the nets. They're cleaning them. Jesus walks. He tells Peter to come on. He says, go out to uh, row out a little bit because, you know, the crowd, they're just, they're messing with me. So he backs up, gets out on the thing. He preaches to them again. And later on, he tells Peter, this is the thing where he tells Peter to go. And, uh, you know, let down the, his nets on the other side. The nets are all clean. And we've been fishing all night, for crying out loud. But, and this is what Jesus loved about Peter. Nevertheless, I'm telling you, I understand that what you're telling me to do is really stupid. But if you tell me to do it, I'm going to do it anyway. So he, he, he lets him down. He just, he's amazed. He, he believes Jesus is going to do something, but just not this much. I mean, it's just like huge the, the take that they bring in this 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 morning, and so he says he said Jesus you get, you got to walk away from me I'm I'm just I'm not a I'm not a clean man I, I'm you know you, you got to walk away and Jesus said no you're you're the guy I want you're the guy that I want I don't care what kind of a man you think you are I know who you really are and so so he he has uh, so these guys are all following him. So now it's like Peter, James, and John, okay? Those three guys, the golden boys, 
They, they're the ones, that, everybody says, he's the, they're the ones that Jesus said, you, you go in with me when I healed Jairus' daughter. They went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. They're the ones he said, you come forward with me when I, when I pray in the garden because I want you guys there. You know, I hope you didn't bring your pillows because, you know, I hope you're not going to sleep, but they did anyway. They're the guys. Okay, so now they come into this, they're walking around with Jesus and he's doing all this stuff. And it says, one day he was teaching, Luke 5, 17. Said all that to get to this. That's a lot of stuff, huh? Uh, he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. You know the story? Okay, you know what's going to happen? So, Okay. Setting is, Peter, James, John are there, Jesus is teaching, they're inside of a building of some kind, and, you know, full of Pharisees and Sadducees, and there's, there is present there an anointing to heal people. It's going to be good. It's going to be exciting, okay? These guys come along, they know that he's there, and so they bring their friend with them who's paralyzed, okay? Can't get in, it's crowded. Can't get through the door. Everybody's standing. Stand, it's, it's shoulder to shoulder, standing room only. They can't get through. So these guys decide they're going to get up on the building and start taking off the, the, the shingles off the top of the thing, the tiles. They're going to remove the tiles, and they're going to lower this guy's bed or his, some, some versions say couch. They're going to lower his couch down by ropes. And it says as they did, they lowered it down right on top of the crowd that was down right in front of Jesus. That's what a lot of people do now. They say, you know, I want to go to church, but, but let me go on the couch and just, you put me, take my remote and let, uh, let me see, the, see Jesus in front of me on my TV screen. So he's, anyway, he's, he's, he's there and he's, he's, you know, not much he can do. He's a kind of a captive guy and he's being lowered down in this. And you wonder what people did, how if it was crowd, so crowded they couldn't get through the door, this thing's coming down on their heads, you know, first of all, Jesus is teaching, and all of a sudden there's little pieces of chunks of tile falling down, and look up, and down comes the bed, and they're trying to make room, getting out of the way. What did they, what did they do with this, this guy? So Jesus is a quick study, right? And he, he just sizes up the situation. He's got anointing for healing. Here's a guy who's paralyzed, and his friends are desperate, and he says he sees their face. And by the way, which is, this is a perfect example of James when it says, show me your faith by your works. And we get this all wrong by saying, you know, we think that's, that's church works. No, it's not. It's like, I believe you're going to do this, and I'm so determined this is, this is, this is my works. We're going to make this happen. And he saw that faith. He saw their faith. And what was their faith? What were they believing was going to happen? What did they believe they were gonna, that Jesus was going to do? Heal them. Anointing there, you know, they're going to get him there. So Jesus, he steps back. He's seeing their faith. He says, this is Jesus being weird again, so get ready. Friend, your sins are forgiven you. All of a sudden, the room is about this noisy <laughs> right now because he didn't do anything that people were expecting to do. What he always did, he just said, Here's a man paralyzed. And he said, okay, let me fix everything for you. Your sins are forgiven. 
So the guys in the ceiling up there, still up there, you know, where the rope is, they're, they're looking at like, and <laughs> the Peter, James, and John, are they're like, <laughs> and the Pharisees and the Sadducees are going, they, they were the most amazed, but then the guy, the, you know, the, the paralyzed guys, they're going, What had what just happened here? What are you doing? Jesus, come on. Heal this guy. So Jesus, uh, the, the scribes and Pharisees, I mean, after, the, after there was only the crickets and sound in the room, and then, then all of a sudden they start talking to each other, reasoning together. And it says they began to reason. Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware... I'm getting mixed up here with all my verses. Jesus is aware of uh, of this thing, of all the reasonings, and said, um, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say? And he's going to clear the whole thing up here. Which is easier to say? Your sins have been forgiven? Or say, get up and walk? Okay? So, that was loud. Um, <laughs> I'm looking for something in particular, a really good point I was going to make, and I don't know if I ever wrote it down. So, anyway. Excuse me a minute. Talk amongst yourselves for a minute. I, maybe, I didn't, maybe I didn't write it down. Maybe there wasn't a point. Okay. Anyway. So, so, he, so he says, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. But just so you know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins, I'll say what you want to hear me say. Get up and walk. The guy got up, picked up his mat, his bed, his whatever, couch, and walked out. So this is like... They, it says the media got up and it says they, they were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God and they were filled with fear saying, we have seen remarkable things today. Okay, so here this, this story kind of raises some questions for me. I think, well, why were they so astounded? They wouldn't have been so astounded if they would have seen him just healed. He was doing that all over the place. What's significant about this? Because either, this is going to tell you a couple of things. This, was, this, this story either marks the most remarkable lack of discernment ever. You know, when Jesus says that you know, this guy needs to have his sins removed, when he's obviously paralyzed, Jesus usually could size up the situation better than that. Or, Jesus is teaching us something here in this story. And it's interesting that before, before this happened, it says the crowds were crowding around him, and yet he left the crowds and went alone into the wilderness right before this. So we don't know what happened in the wilderness, but we, I have a hunch 
that the Holy Spirit was training Jesus. He always took people in the wildernesses to train people and teach them things. And saying, there's something you need to start dealing with here that's an important thing. And it has to do with forgiveness of sins. Now, you could also take from this, and I think a lot of people have, that, that uh, the, the guy's problem, the reason that he was paralyzed was because he was involved in some sin. And you have to get your sins forgiven before the healing comes. That's not the, that's not the pattern that I see. Jesus didn't, didn't say, stop doing anything you're doing and then I'll fix you. He would fix people and say, and I'll go and sin no more. So I don't think that was it. There's something in this thing. There's something in here about how Jesus, who, who walked around full of the Holy Spirit, the, the paradigm shift in his thinking was to do what's important to God. And there's something about the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins. He'd been healing people. He'd been casting out demons. He'd been proclaiming the kingdom of God. And now this is a new wrinkle. So there's something different happening here. Okay, so, um, let me think. Because there's, there's some, uh, when, when, I, when I teach something, it's the, the difficult thing for me is, it's not like, when I look at, when I study the Bible, it's not like, you know, a linear thing. It's like looking at the sky at night at the Milky Way and saying, count these stars. Because what do you do? Try to count them in a line? They're all connected. It's like you, you start with one, and what do you do? Count in a spiral? And that's the problem I always have when I, when I, because I can, that's why there's all these, these things. I'm, I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit to sort this all out because there are so many different things that, that have to do with, with this thing. Um, so, so right after this thing, in chapter 6, I'm kind of going down the line of the, of the, of the Luke chapters, is when he chooses the 12 apostles. And, he, and there's more teaching, there's more healing, there's more deliverance. And then in Luke 8, 8 I'll just pick that up here, it says, soon, uh, soon he began to go around from one city and village to another, procla- proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. That's the point. That was what he was anointed to do, remember? That's what he came for. And um, the 12 were with him and also some women, and he talks about all this stuff. And uh, when a large crowd was coming together, uh, he started speaking parables. And we're not going to go there. That's another whole thing. I've got to discriminate here. Um, and then in, in chapter 9, it says he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all the demons to heal, uh, over the demons to heal diseases. And he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and perform healing. He said, take, don't take anything with you. This is a demonstration of, of Jesus in the covenant sense, saying this is how you guys are going to walk around now. In a covenant, you don't have to bring stuff with you. You don't have to depend on, on, on this because I'm a covenant God and I'm a, coven- I'm a God of provision and I'm a God of protection. No evil is going to come near you. No demon is going to be, is going to be able to, uh, to harass you because I've given you authority over all this. This is all good stuff. So, so they go out and they start, they start doing the stuff that Jesus is doing. And Herod, I'll just point this, this little thing out, in verse 7, 
Herod, who had arrested John and had him killed, remember that story? He starts seeing all this stuff, and he doesn't know who Jesus is. I don't know how he's missed it. He knew who John was, but didn't know who Jesus was, and he thought, he thought maybe, maybe John came back from the dead. Maybe this was the spirit of Elijah. Maybe this was one of the prophets. He didn't know who this was, but something, I messed up somehow because something weird, really strange is happening out here with all these crowds. Um, so the apostles come back and they give him an account and, and then he, with, he withdrew to another city and we, you know, we're going to let that go there. But it happened that um, later on in verse 18, um, that was setting the stage for, for a situation where it says that while they were praying, the disciples were with him and, the, and he asked them and said, who do people say I, I am? Who do people say that I am? And what's the answer? What is the answer that they say? Well, this is what people say. This is the, what the nice people are saying, that who you are. Is They're saying John the Baptist, Elijah, some of the prophets. And he says, but what do you guys think? Who do you say I am? And then Peter speaks up. And Peter, and, and Jesus gets real stoked. He gets real excited. And you know why? Because he said flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. And this, this information had come through some demon. It's my spirit. You heard the Holy Spirit. And so he begins to teach him something that hadn't been taught before. And he says, um, talking about blessed are you, Simon, because flesh and blood didn't do this. And he says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be, have been loosed in heaven. There's some responsibility that comes when you get the keys to the house and the family car and the whole thing, get, there's some responsibility, right? It's going to be awesome, though. What's, what, what's, what's going to open up for you? Thing? Okay, so I'm going to leave. The, 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 the binding and loosing thing is, is having to do with things in the demonic realm and the powers. And he says, I'm giving you that authority to do this stuff. Okay. So then, so I went through this thing. Cause, so first you've got Jesus in chapter uh, uh, 7. I oh, no. Yeah, right. chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, you got Jesus going out doing all these things. Crowds are falling, or, or following. Then he has the 12 going out and doing all these things, the same stuff. The cr- more crowds are coming. And then you have in Luke 10, it says, now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others, 70 guys, and said, he, he sent them out in pairs and said, sent them in to do the same thing. He said, I said, look, the harvest is plentiful. There are so many people out there but the laborers are few. So pray to God uh, for uh, uh, the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then he says, tells them the same thing. Go, and I'm going to send you out like lambs in the midst of sheep. Don't carry any money with you. Don't carry any bags. You go to this, whatever house you go into. This is, this is, I mean, this is hard for us to understand even this concept. You go out with nothing. You walk in, two guys knock on the door of somebody's house and you, and you say, um, can we stay with you guys for a while? And he says, in whatever, whatever house you walk to, these aren't people they know, whatever house you say, that house, he says, proclaim peace to them over the house. And if it's a man of peace who lives there, they'll receive your peace. Now, there's another whole teaching there. I mean, it's, believe me, this is like, we think of blessings and cursings, the things that come out of our mouth, the influence that we have, that our lives have on other people's lives as something that's third world or a long time past. He's saying... The things that we say, we can proclaim blessings over people. Just a simple proclamation will change somebody's life. Okay. 
let that sit there. See what I mean? We could just there's just so many directions to go. So so they get all excited. He said and he says, just tell them the kingdom of God is coming and cast out the demons and all this stuff. So so then they come back. These guys come back, the 70. And, uh, and verse 17 says, the re- 70 return is, and with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And by the way, when he sent them out, um, I didn't point this out, but he, he says, every demon, every demon. And this goes to the thing where, where remember the story of the kid being thrown into the fire and, and people say, that Jesus' answer is, why couldn't, we, why couldn't we cast this out? And he says, well, this kind of only comes out with prayer and fasting. There's no distinction with Jesus with demons. There's no demon ever, anywhere, at any time, who can stand up to a man who's speaking under the power of the Holy Spirit. Nobody. There's no argument. There's no fight. There's no struggle. There's no, you know, there's no bottles and bones and holy fluid and all this. Any, there's nothing, none of that stuff. You just say, get out, shut up. And he has to obey. And he knows that. Trouble is, we don't know that sometimes. <clears throat> so, anyway, so, so they come back, and he said, the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, yeah. I mean, he, this, is the, this would have been a perfect opportunity for Jesus to say, duh, but he didn't. Okay. He said, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. What was that about? And here again, I mean, I think you, I, pro- I think I've taught this before. What this is, what, what, where this is in history, what he's talking about, and some people think this is a reference to back way before any of this happened, before the Garden of Eden, before any of this, there was this warfare in heaven, and Satan was kicked out of heaven. That's not true. Um, some people think it's a future thing, a revelation thing, Revelation 12, where there is war in heaven and, he's, and Jesus is seeing this thing prophetically. I don't believe that. I think he was just present. He said, yeah, I know. I mean, I could just see the gleam in Jesus' eye, the little grin when he's saying, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Check this out. When you guys were doing this, when you guys were out there casting out demons, I saw him falling from heaven. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. What was he doing in heaven? Remember it says that he left for a while, for a season, looking for an opportunity? Thought he found it. Ah, got it. I can't tempt them with anything that man is normally tempted with, but I can sure as heck accuse him about the law that God has established over his own people, the Jews. So he's up there hammering God with all these things. He ain't washing his hands when, when he eats ceremonially. He's, not, he's doing stuff on the Sabbath. You should, you should see what he's doing on your holy day because he ain't holy. And, you, and just down the list, he's accusing. He is up there doing this, and all of a sudden he gets interrupted because God's saying, Huh! Satan, look what's going on right over there. Look right, look right down there. Demon just got cast out. He says, yeah, yeah, I know, Jesus. No, look again. It's the, it's the, it's the 12? The 12? Yeah, but they're followers. Yeah, no, no, no. Look again. 70 people, two by two, all over the place. Demons are coming out, screaming. 
He says, I got to go down. I got to take care of business. So he comes down like a, can you say bad out of hell? <laughs> Is there a cough button back there? I don't know where that's worked. But fast. He's coming down and he, he needs to figure out how he's going to stop this thing because it's getting out of hand. Okay, <clears throat> so Jesus is laughing about this. He says, he said, look, I, I was watching him fall from heaven uh, like lightning and this, this is just awesome. Now what was he doing? What was he going to do when he came down to earth? He's still going to accuse. What, what was he, who was he going to accuse to? Man. And in this particular case, he knew he wasn't going to be able to accuse to Jesus but he knew, he thought, he, he's, he's got his thing now. He can talk to these religious people. Yep. I'm going to accuse Jesus to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the teachers of the law, all the experts of the law, and say, look, he ain't doing it right. That's going to be my thing. That's the opportunity he was looking for. Okay? So... <clears throat> And then, then he says, he said, Jesus said, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and power and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing, nothing is going to injure you. Now just look at those two things alone. Authority over all the power of the enemy. And these guys are just, they're digging it. <laughs> Jesus says, Hey, but, but listen, you, it's true, you guys have got all that, but nevertheless, don't rejoice about that. That's not the important thing. Rejoice about this, this that, um, that your names are recorded in heaven. With Jesus, he saw things from such a different perspective. And the thing I want to try to get across this morning, get across this morning, I said across, that's an Indiana thing. I'm trying to get it across. I'm trying to get across to you is that there's something about this. No, but this is important. You have the ability to forgive people's sin. And that's bigger. That's bigger. That's better than the healing. And that's better than, than uh, casting out demons. This is a big deal because it goes to people's salvation. The, fa- the Sadducees uh, and the scribes understood what he was talking about because they said, this guy, when he said he can forgive these guys' sins, he's making himself up to be God. Only God can forgive sins. So this isn't him talking about, you know, the paralytic guy said, say, hey, I heard that you said something bad about me and I was offended, but I'm going to forgive you for it. It's nothing like that. He was much bigger and the Pharisees understood it. There's something much bigger that you guys are going to be able to do. When I give you the keys to the kingdom, Peter, because now the Holy Spirit's working in you, you're going to have this ability to speak life into people. Okay? You see where this is going? This is going to be disappointing for some people because it's so simple. But most of the Bible is simple. We just make it hard. We make it difficult because we're always looking for that next big high that's going to set us apart from everybody else. It's real simple. And Jesus tried to teach it all along. So let me just just keep, just uh, continue here. I'm going to wrap this up really quick. As you can tell, there's only one page left here. 
of verses. Um, so, so we have this, this idea. Let me just kind of flip to the, to the, to the actual verse. If I can find it here. Where, where it says, uh, where we get the idea that we're, there's greater things coming. And it's coming. We, just, we know it is because Jesus said it was coming. Here it is. That's in John 14, verse 12. It says, truly. I say to you, he who believes me, the works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than these will he do. Because, what? Because I'm going to the Father. What did that have to do with anything? Him going to the Father meant the Holy Spirit was going to come down. The Holy Spirit was going to be able to show, open them, open them up to, to, do, to do some things that they, that they couldn't do. I, I had a, okay, let me just step over here for a second. When I was first a Christian, I was probably, I don't know, 22, 3 years old, maybe not even that old. I, was, I became a Christian when I was 19. And I had this instinct that I needed to witness to people that I knew. I mean, we, I was involved with a, with a bunch of guys, and we weren't, healing was just way off the charge for us. We just had no concept of healing, but we knew we, could, we needed to get people into the kingdom. So I would witness to people, and I went to, I went to my neighbor one time, We'll call him Bob, because that was his name. <laughs> and Bob, Bob, Bob was a tough guy. He was a, his name was, well, anyway. He was a tough guy, always was. He came from a family of tough guys, okay? I think it was on his birth certificate, tough guy. But he, he was somebody that I, I and my brother looked up to. I became a Christian. We, we had some involvement with Bob, neighbor Bob. And when I became a Christian, I thought immediately about Bob. And I thought, I've got I to gotta witness to him. This is a really hard thing. If you knew Bob, if you're listening, Bob. <laughs> no, Bob's not listening. It was, this is going to be a really tough thing for this guy if you knew him. This was, would be a hard thing, but I thought this is going to be a real, real test for me. Okay, so I, so I went to his house. I told him I wanted to talk to him about something. We were talking, and I started talking to him about Jesus. Now, Jesus, when I became a Christian, you have to understand, I, Bob was a Catholic, and so was I. And, and so Catholics know about God, know nothing about Jesus, pretty much. At least I didn't when I was a long time ago. So I'm talking to him about Jesus, and he, he just starts scoffing. And he said, Jesus, what, what did he do? He healed, he healed a few lepers. Man has wiped out leprosy. So it's a matter of degrees. Greatness comes in degrees and quantities. And, 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 that's, and I, I didn't have an answer for him. I thought, well, I don't know, maybe. I mean, but Jesus, you know, you know man has used medicine. Jesus, I mean, who knows where I went with it. But it's always stuck in my mind. And there's this thing that, that I think the church believes now, too. And it says, one of the greater gifts, you're going to do all these things in greater. It means, yeah, you're going to do these, but a whole lot more of them. Okay? But, but in Jesus' mind, he saw something as, more, as greater than casting out demons. In his mind, he saw something greater than healing people. Even though he says, it's awesome. Keep doing that. It's sort of like when he, when he talked to the, to the Pharisees, and he, he says, you guys, you guys, is, you just strained at doing all the religious stuff. 
Because he was saying, yeah, well, you know, we tithe. And he says, yeah, I know, you, you guys are just nutty about tithe. You just, you know, I don't know what a dill seed is, but it must be really small. He said, he said you take a tenth of a dill. You guys are just crazy about tithing, and you're doing all this stuff, and you're just, everything has to be so religiously perfect, and yet you just neglect the weightier things, Okay. Like the kindness and, and, and speaking to the people's insides and not their outsides and all, all this. He, he tells them all this stuff and he says, you ought to be doing that. But then he adds this, without neglecting that other stuff. Okay, so I, and I mentioned that because, because I, I, don't, I don't want people to think that in this message, message I'm saying, yeah, it's great that you're healing people. It's great that you're you know, casting out demons. But really, we just need to be, this salvation, we need to be leading people to the Lord, we need to be leading them to a place where their sins are forgiven. It's liberating. Because somebody, I had a, um, well, I, probably everybody in here have, has had injuries. They've had sickness. I had a, I had a coughing. I had a, a thing a few years ago. went to my sister's house and got some kind of a flu where I was just coughing my guts up. I mean, it was just, I just, and I couldn't get over it. And I, I prayed about it and prayed about it, and that didn't, you know. Of course, it always happens when you're near your, the, your family's homes and, and they, they know that you're a Christian and you believe this stuff, and so you're just like on oh, this deathbed, and, you know, your, your poor little nephew, you know, <laughs> in your, your nephew's room that he's given up, and you think, oh my gosh, I've got to have to sanitize the whole room when they get done. So, but it, was, it, just, it just wouldn't get healed. In, until I left there. But when I think back about it, how, as much as I was, would have prayed and wanted to be healed of that thing, you know, probably two or three hundred years from now, nobody would care. Even me. But the prayer that was answered that forgave my sin and gave me a different standing with God, that's the real deal. That's the thing that changed. And that was the thing that was hard. When Jesus said, I've given you the ministry of reconciliation, he said, that's how he defined this, as if you're pleading on God's behalf. Be healed? No. The healing, he said, if you, he said, believe me because God's telling me. But if you can't believe me because of this, at least believe the miracles. The miracles are there to get us to a place where we can bring people into that kingdom. Because that's what he came to do. He said, this day, that's, that's been fulfilled in your, in your presence. But here's an interesting thing. He, said, he says, because I go to the Father. None of this is going to happen. You didn't see this. He talked to people about being born again, but they weren't born again. He said, this is what you're going to have to do, but they didn't do it. Because he didn't lead anybody until the day that he breathed the Holy Spirit on them. And then when he, when he was on his way up, saying, I'm going to go to the Holy Spirit, and you're going to see this. Let me show you something else that Jesus did. The last time I was uh, teaching here, it was about, remember the, the story about the guy at the, at the pool of Bethesda? And, um, you know, the, he healed him, and the guy went back, and he said, he talked about who, who had done the healing, and the Pharisees are all mad because it's all on the Sabbath, of course. And the devil is up there saying, yeah, but it's a Sabbath. You know, this is God's law, and you can't change that. I don't care how good he's doing for people. So 
But I stopped before I got to this point, and this is in John 5. Continuing on that story, Jesus is talking um, to the Pharisees, and he said uh, to them, Truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it's something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son, now this is where it gets good, and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these. It's not that you're going to see this someday. Jesus, Jesus hadn't even seen him. He was doing the works, but he says, he's going to show me some greater stuff than this. Okay? And he wasn't talking about volume. And he says, so that what? So that you will marvel. Who's going to marvel? The people he was speaking to. Right then, right there. They're going to see it. It's not going to be sometime way off in the future, right before the end, God's going to, boom, give us some greater works and we're just going to be an, an awesome thing in the end times, one final just you know surge before we all get raptured out or something. It's been there all along. It's always been there. The greater thing has always been there. The thing that moved God's heart, the thing that he sent Jesus to do in the first place, changed their lives. Let them know there can be forgiveness. How many people have been who have, have just felt the sensation of just knowing I'm forgiven. I mean, it's, it, it's pretty awesome. And like I said, a thousand years from now, I'm probably going to hardly remember very often that coffin jag I had at my sister's house. I'm going to know for eternity. I was, I'm born again. I'm in a good place. And there's a lot of people we're praying for right now who are sick, who are crippled, who are this, who are that. Maybe demon-possessed. But trust me, if they're not born again, that's a greater thing. Even if they're... And again, you have to know my heart. And a lot of you don't. Some of you probably do. I'm not talking against healing. I totally think it's awesome. I, but But... You know, when you, when you go galloping through the mall looking for somebody who's limping, <laughs> we're all limping on the inside. And you just can't see it. And the greater thing than somebody walking away saying, Dude! That's awesome. And keep doing it. I mean, I'm stoked with it. It's I mean, there's some guys in here that I talk to, I get real excited about what's, what's going on. That's part of what's going on with these days and, and where we're at in these days. Those are the palm trees we're seeing. You know, we're in Florida. It's already happening. It's already here. But let's not lose sight. Let's not say, well, we're just waiting for the real deal. We're waiting for that last anointing. It's already here, the greater things. And it's good to say, you know, like, you know, a lot of people do say most of the time, they say, well, don't know what it is, but let's just do what he did. Because what he did was that. Okay? The Great Commission. What did he say? Before the Great Commission, he's, he's obsessed with forgiveness. He, he was talking about the, you know, how many times you're forgiven. You, you're, you're, you know, you guys are missing the point if you're starting to count how many times we should do this and do this legally and how many, uh, this and that. You're missing the point. It's forgiveness and God's forgiveness and it's wiping things away. 
you know, when uh, it's just, you know, uh, I thought of another place I could go, but I, I probably shouldn't. Um, but he said, you know, what did he say to the guy when he's having his hands nailed to a cross? Father, forgive him. Is he just talking about those guys? Uh-uh. All of us. That was his heart. And he was speaking the heart of the Father because he was in that paradigm. Father, this is, this is all good because I'm going to despise this and look past it at what's coming and it's going to be awesome. Forgive him. And what did Jesus say? Right when he left? What was the Great Commission? Go. He says, all authority has been given to me. Authority is not a problem. It's not a problem. All of it's been given to me. Go. And you baptize them. And here's what, here's what I want you to do. Teach them everything that you observed in me. And what did they observe? They saw he was a forgiving guy because he was speaking for God. He was that ambassador who brought people into the kingdom of heaven. So this is awesome. We're living in awesome times. You know, 911, it was a road mark. I mean, it was a marker on the road. It was one of those palm trees. We know we're in Florida. We know we're getting close to the end. We don't have to worry about, man, the road's running out. Well, he's got to just lay that, that greater thing on us at some point. We're already there. Just do it, okay? Heal people. Do what he told the apostles. Do what he told the, the 70. Because when he, oh, there was a verse I was going to say. I forgot. Because, um, okay. When he breathed on them, this was, I, I totally forgot about this. In John 20, uh, when he said, told them to receive the Holy Spirit, he said, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive sins of any, their sins have been forgiven. If you retain sins of any, they've been retained. This is, he, he was further explaining the thing about uh, um, uh, whatever you loose and whatever you bind. It's the loosing and binding. It's the forgiveness. It's, it's, and the way that you retain somebody's sin is if you don't open up that world of forgiveness to them, is if you don't let them know that God wants them, that, you're, that God is screaming, and he's given... Why, if, God's, if it's so important, why doesn't God just say, boom, everybody's a Christian, you're all going to come with me? Because there's, a, there's another interesting verse, and I'm going to leave it at this. This is a huge verse, huge. David said in Psalm 115, 16, says, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. It's our responsibility. It's God's desire. But he's trusting us with this huge thing to carry out this desire for himself. Um, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go, I'm going to leave it at that. There's, again... This is my trouble. I, I, I have a hard time starting things and I have a hard, really hard time ending them. It's kind of an inertia thing. So, but I'm going to end this and just, just, and just say I, I'm proud of everybody that's, that's out there. This is what, what I'm seeing. And again, this is, because, this is a perspective thing because I know where I've been. 
I know what we've come through in terms of I've been in and out of churches and all different kinds of groups and things. What I'm seeing happening here is awesome. It's so amazing. The people's desire, desire, not just begrudgingly, ah, man, we should be healing people. And I know there's something about demons, but I read this book called The Pigs in the Parlor and it's all this, you know. No, now it's like we want it all. We want what God has for us. We want to open ourselves up and be like the 70 that he sends out and says, hey, don't worry about this, don't worry about that. And don't rejoice so much about the demons. Just rejoice that your name's written in the book of life. That's pretty heady stuff. And you've got, you've got the ability. Jesus, the first Adam, was a living soul. Jesus was the second Adam, became a life-giving spirit. He breathed God's life. And uh, Roy's talked about it. He, breathed, he was breathing God's life back in, just like God breathed it into Adam. And now he said, now you go and you breathe. Because that same pneuma, that same breath, that same Holy Spirit is in you. You start breathing it everywhere you go because you're my breath. And my breath is to see people saved. Sounds like a Baptist message here, I guess. But it's really true. Keep healing people. Keep, keep exerting your your authority keep telling the devils they have no authority there is no authority they have no power and keep bringing people into this awareness that their sins are forgiven and they're they're in a new place so i forgot to do the mute the mood music thing i i always always forget (laughs) okay i'm very good I'm sorry. Yeah, right. Okay. I was going to do that. (laughs) Right. I don't know. We might need mood music for that, but maybe. Can you play just as we are? No. (laughs) Yeah. Patty wanted to know, just in case, I was just going to forget it, um, that. It is important, and I know the last couple of times, and, and I said, where's Dylan at? I, he's upstairs. Dylan, Dylan did this, and, and Roy did last week, and, and uh, we always pray for people to come for, come, uh, for healing and, and those things, but if anybody in here doesn't know that, doesn't know that their sins are forgiven, oh man, I'm telling you, the moment that I understood that, oh, and I was all alone. I was by myself, and it, it hit me so hard. <laughs> so if there's anyone, can we have the prayer, the prayer team back up here again? If there's anybody, I mean, trust me, you, you may, this is, this is just so big. To be, the, all the angels rejoicing. The, all the angels don't rejoice when somebody um, gets their, their broken toe fixed but they're all rejoicing when a life is changed. Not just change, it's a new life. It's a new thing. Which is easier to do? The, the Pharisees understood it when he said your, your sins are forgiven. Let me just say this too. Keep rambling here. As you're, because the flood hasn't started yet here. Um, 
the Pharisees understood something because they got forgiveness on the on the installment plan. Okay? And when they said when when Jesus said to this man, Your sins are forgiven, it's like, you know, if if uh, if everybody in here all went to, to the same banker and we all had mortgages on our homes and it was a debt that we couldn't pay outright, but we were on the installment plan and we could manage so much a month. And then somebody comes in here and says to all of us, no, 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 your mortgages are all paid for, free and clear. That's what the, that's, you own your homes now. It's all yours. No more payments, no more interest, no nothing. You own it. And in fact, if you try to make a payment, the bank has no place to apply it to. You can't. They won't take it. If you try to make a payment, you can't do it. That's what the Pharisees understood when he said, your sins are forgiven. That's why they started murmuring, because they understood that you can only get forgiveness one day at a time. And it's never a blanket thing. But this is what Jesus is offering. Our lives are a wreck, and some of us don't know it. Just because we're not, you know, doing the things that we would just think were the horrible things to do, on the inside of us, there's something on the inside of us that we know we need a new life. We've never trusted Jesus. So I'm just going to ask, I've been kind of kidding around up here and stuff, but seriously, if there's anybody who doesn't know that, if you don't know it, you're probably not. Let me just give you that little hint. That you're born again, that you've said yes to Jesus, that your sins are forgiven, that you can truly walk as a new creation. I'm just going to ask, and norm, here's how it normally happens. This is the, sort of the normal bait and switch thing as well. I'm going to have you, everybody close your eyes and then you raise your hands. Is there nobody looking around? Because no, I don't want to embarrass anybody. And then when anybody... When I get you, then I say, okay, now come forward. Now I want to embarrass you. <laughs> now that I've got you. No, it's just, you know, there's two kinds of people in here. People who either are born again, and every one of them wasn't at one point. And the people who are. I said that wrong, didn't I? Who are born again, they weren't. And the people who aren't born again. And those who are are just so pulling for you if you're not. And if you're not, come on up. Because we're not, you're not going to be embarrassed. We're just, you're just going to be falling all over you. Just, just happy as can be. Okay? So, one, one more chorus of just as I am. And <laughs> Anybody? Okay. Then I'm trusting we're all good. And that's a good thing. So now, the next thing is, you have the Holy Spirit working in you. You have authority. He said, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go. Let's go. Let's go get them. And, let's, and while we're doing the exciting things, the casting out demons and the healing of, of the sick, of all kinds of sickness, and it's all there. Don't neglect that. But also don't neglect the other thing. Because whether you see it or not, whether you see somebody who's, who's deeply involved in this sin or that sin or whatever, people are hurting inside. Trust me. You don't see it on the outside, but God looks on the inside. He looks at people's hearts. And, and we just need to be obedient. So um, the guys are here. If anybody does need prayer for anything, 
And uh, we're just, I'm just going to say a, a simple prayer and, and we'll let it go at that. Father, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I trust that, that what you gave me to say, what you wanted to say, somehow got said in spite of me. And that, that this thing falls on good soil. That this seed gets inside of people's hearts. That there is an instinct that, is, that they become aware of as new creations that they need to make more. That there is seed time and harvest and a big part of your harvest that's so plentiful is us going out and attending to that harvest. Help us, Father, with these things we pray in Jesus' name.